So you're the one that the boss keeps talking about. And you? Special Operations Foxhound. Revolver Ocelot. I've been waiting for you, Solid Snake. Now we'll see if the man can live up to the legend. This is the greatest handgun ever made. The Colt Single Action Army. Six bullets, more than enough to kill anything that moves. Now I'll show you why they call me... Revolver. Draw! Welcome to Wide Flank. Alright, hello and welcome to... Uh... Wide flank. We're doing a game club episode. This episode, uh, we played Metal Gear Solid. Um, so, for those of you who are this is your first time or you uh, forgot how the podcast works, uh, once a month we pick a game, then play it over the course of that month, and then hang out and talk about it. Um, we talk about it in Discord and basically on, that's it on Twitter, Instagram. We post funny memes for <laughs> everyone. We we try and generate as much content as possible. That's the name of the game these days. If you know you want to get paid, um, so yeah. Also, we have a Patreon. Thanks to all our current Patreon subscribers. Uh, there's so many. We're making so much money. But if you want to, you know, top off uh, the coffers, you could uh, give us some more. Um, yeah, I'm broke. I've been buying so many video games. It's not even funny. <laughs> uh so yeah so this past month we played metal gear solid um and this is gonna be like a four-hour episode so danny why don't you kick it off and uh tell everybody about the game because i'm sure nobody's ever heard of it before (laughs) yeah so metal gear solid one came out in 1997 it was directed by the now famous uh hideo kojima uh so konami developed and published the game Metal Gear Solid, and Kojima was the game director of this game, also the Metal Gear 1 and 2 games that came out before, and then all of the Metal Gear titles after this, up to uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance and Metal Gear Survive. Those are the only Metal Gear titles that he had no involvement with. Um, he now runs his own studio called Kojima Productions that produced, uh, or that developed Death Stranding, which came out two years ago. Um, after he was unceremoniously def- defenestrated when they threw him out of the window at Konami. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, you can look up the video online. Yeah. Um, Metal Gear Solid was uh, widely lauded by critics and fans at the time, uh, mainly for its use of 3D level design, first-person perspectives, stealth mechanics, political undertones, and its characters. Uh, its story was also hugely celebrated Though the length and amount of cutscenes and unplayable dialogue moments are were controversial at the time and still continue to be, we will definitely be talking about that. This is Mei Ling. She was assigned to us as our visual and data processing specialist. She designed your codec as well as your Soliton radar system. Contact her if you have any questions about either of them. <laughs> nice to meet you, Snake. It's an honor to speak to a, a living legend like yourself. What's wrong? Nothing. I just didn't expect a world-class designer of military technology to be so... cute. <laughs> You're just flattering me. No, I'm serious. 
Well, I know I won't be bored for the next 18 hours. Come on. I can't believe I'm being hit on by the famous Solid Snake. The game and the series are on pretty much every list of greatest games, greatest franchises of all time. Um, certainly on mine, certainly on Teddy's. Uh, we'll see by the time we finish it where it is on Alon's. Uh, and we played it. I played it. Uh, I played both the PlayStation 1 emulation on PS3 and the PC port uh, from GOG Galaxy or GOG Games. Uh, I think, I don't know. I think Alon also played the PC port. Yep. And Teddy, did you play the emulation on PS3? Yeah, I played basically, I, I think pretty close to the PS1 original is what yeah. I played. Because that's what I played. The PS3 port is what you said. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Cool. But you guys have played it before, right? Like, what's your history with the franchise? Uh, Did you play this when it came out, Teddy? Oh, first, I would just like to say this game came out before I was born. (laughs) Another one of these. That's so awesome. (laughs) I can't believe that. That's just awesome. I literally, I also, it's amazing. I I don't think I could play a game before I was born. Just for the record, like you're a real, you're a way better person than me. <laughs> like a playing a game that came out in '86, like that must be just absolute shit. Pong or something? Yeah, right. Like, what know. even was it? Yeah, yeah, it was like a text adventure. Yeah, um, graphics didn't exist. Screens weren't around. It was everything was steam power <laughs> back then. Um, I did not own a PlayStation, so I was a Nintendo guy growing up. It's funny because I am not, and I hate Nintendo now. I like hate so many of their games but i was as a kid that's just what i got um like i didn't play resident evil when it came out i didn't play any of this stuff so my first experience in Metal gear solid was playing it at friends houses um and the first time i actually played the game full to completion it was twin snakes the gamecube remake of this game but how many people just shut off the podcast hearing that <laughs> definitely hayden so, so this is the yeah. first time i played Metal Gear Solid OG all the way through for the first time. Um, Danny? Yeah, I I think I also played Twin Snakes the first time I ever played. This was also this last these last few months have been the first time I ever played uh the original PlayStation version, but um I played Twin Snakes. Teddy had introduced me to it at some point. Um and I don't know. It was probably, I think I was probably in middle school or yeah, I was probably in like fifth or sixth grade when I played it for the first time. And it was definitely twin snakes. And as is tradition, I've never played any of them. I've never played a game, anything like this. I also didn't own a PlayStation. I was already just a PC guy by then. Um, and it's, yeah, it was totally new. I, I didn't even know that much about it going in. I just kind of knew like, so I knew like who solid snake was the protagonist. I knew that like you, choke people and it's like stealthy i think that's basically all i knew this is snake colonel can you hear me loud and clear what's the situation snake looks like the elevator in the back is the only way up just as i expected you'll have to take the elevator to the surface but make sure nobody sees you uh like and i and i had heard of hideo kojima which is like you know, maybe a good place to start because he's almost like bigger than the game, I feel like at this point. Right. Yeah. I, IAKU, Luke. Yeah. I just call, just call him Luke. Luke. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if I'm saying that name right. Um, yeah. He wanted also, yeah. He wanted our Kojima backgrounds as well. Like, I haven't played any Kojima game except the Metal Gear series. Like, I haven't played Penguin Race or whatever his first game was. 
um, <laughs> or like police knots. But I played Metal Gear Solid one, this game two, three, four, five, Peace Walker, Ground Zeroes, Portable Ops, um, and I've played a little bit of Metal Gear one and two, but not all the way through. Um, and and you played Death Stranding. And I played Death Stranding. Yes. Yeah, I played that all the way through. I fucking yeah. did it. <laughs> Holy shit, I did it. <laughs> that was a COVID game for sure. <laughs> what um, about you, Danny? I have only played Metal Gear Solids. Uh, I've watched videos of the original Metal Gears a little bit. Um, and so I played, I've now played Metal Gear Solid 1, Twin Snakes, Metal Gear Solid 2, 3, and 4, and some of Peace Walker and Portable Ops. Nice. Um, I played. I probably played four the most. Um, I like my most vivid memories. I pl- I, f- I played four before I played two and three. I want to say so. I've I don't know. I had a weird. I've had a weird connection to the series um, and, and Kojima, but you know, different than many. And maybe that's an age thing. Like maybe four came out when you were. You know, it's probably a new game when you were more of a human and you were just like sick i'm gonna play the new metal gear game and then you realized you liked it and went back i would assume yeah exactly and four is still one of the you know greatest technical achievements maybe the greatest technical achievement on the playstation 3 so that you know that was the time when halo 3 was out and modern warfare 2 was out you know i was playing these really intense fast-paced really crisp games and it was a, a weird time to jump back and try to play Metal Gear Solid one or two made yeah. it felt much more appropriate for me to jump into four. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. It's like you're playing all these huge AAA games, and yeah, I, mean, I think going back like that's a big topic, right? That we're probably going to talk about is like going back and playing a game that's over twenty years old, and there's a lot of stuff around that. <laughs> um, do we want to spend more time on Kojima? Like, I feel like you guys love him and have many Kojima stories and could go on for hours about him and what his impact was on, you know, the, the game industry and video game design and, and that kind of stuff too. Yeah. I think we should, I mean, yeah, we shouldn't talk about him for too, too long. I think that too, too, we, sh- too, we should not talk about his too, too longs <laughs> that he wears, but there are a lot of games that you'll never hear who the d- game director or lead designer was, and either that's because you know the way it was marketed, or because they didn't really have that significant, of, you know, that huge of an impact on the direction of the game. But these games, especially, I'm, uh, maybe all of them, but especially one, two, and three, are just total. You know, it's Kojima. It's Kojima's vision. Um, you know, the people on the de- on the development team. And the people, the design people around him would all say that. And that's part of why Konami ousted him is because, you know, it's, he has his process and that is the way the studio runs. And these games are, you know, really his productions and it's his direction. Um, So we really are, we're playing, uh, we're playing Kojima's games, not Konami's games, not Konami games. (laughs) Um, So. Yeah, I think Alon said, like I feel like there's some inside joke that I'm not in on yeah. playing this game. And it's like, this is, you're slowly being introduced to the inside joke, which is Kojima's games. And like, there's threads that run through all of them, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yes. I, like I've heard people talk about 
FromSoft games in a similar way. Like Damon just beat Absolutely. Dark Souls and, you know, it's nothing like Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> but through the game, he was like in pain and then like like the pain and then love the pain. And he's just like, now, now that he's beaten Dark Souls, he's like, I want to play FromSoft games now. And like, I'm... I basically hated the majority of playing through this game, but now that I beat it and like think about it and read about it and we're going to pot about it, I'm sort of like, yeah, I'm kind of down to like check out more Kojima stuff because this is like, there's so, there's just so much there. Yeah. And this is, yeah, I'd say the other, you know, the other games like this, yeah, Soulsborne and uh, Miyazaki, the director of those games, you know, I think has a similar, I mean, not kind of not as much of a rock star, but definitely a fame, you know, a famous mm-hmm. game designer and director. Tiseo Nomura uh, from Square Enix, and, you know, in the Final Fantasy games, you know, I think holds a, a little bit of a similar place. And you're saying a lot, like, I, you know, I didn't know what exactly I was getting into when I played this game. Like you've heard about it and stuff. It's like when we were started to play it, I was like, uh, it's kind of like James Bond, but made by a Japanese guy about America, like an American, not a British person. <laughs> but like, that's not the game. Like the, the, the PlayStation, when I downloaded on the PlayStation store, this is the description. Solid snake is the best of the best and must defend his country from a nuclear incident. Expect tactical espionage action in this thriller. <laughs> like this. <laughs> what? Metal gear. It can't be. <laughs> You, what you, honestly, and we'll, I'm sure we'll cover this later. If you should watch the trailer to Escape from New York, and it is exactly like that is the, if that had a game cover or like a quick game synopsis, that's what it would be. You know, it is, uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. There's all sorts of funny stuff in the booklet and on the, on the cover of the game case and stuff like that. Like, Fighting alone does not make a game. Stealth is more important. Exclamation point, exclamation point. Exclamation. It's just like, yeah, like I understand now playing through it why you had a hard time like telling me about the game, sort of, because it is one large inside joke, sort of. And I think, I mean, I, I feel like I'm in, I'm a rare breed who never played this game until now. I feel like most people have at least seen it or played it when they were young or whatever, but I do feel like it's like not good in a lot of ways, but then looking back on it and like reading about it, it's like, Oh, that's really funny. Or like, Oh, that's really cool. Or like, you know, and then in the future games, you know, the engine gets better. There's all sorts of, it's like a whole Kojima world around the game. And this is just like, one little like snippet of it um yeah so and, yeah go 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 for it yeah so i mean maybe just like a a, pl- a plot synopsis right or yeah game concept synopsis so you're solid snake who is the main the protagonist of the first two metal gear games who's basically um has been the grunt they've sent in the inexperienced grunt in the first two games who they send in to solve some crisis in uh Basically, I don't know, Zanzibar land and some other place. <laughs> Zaire some other, and yeah, some other made up place. Yeah. yeah. Um, and basically, basically, Snake retires, Salt Snake retires, and lives in Alaska and is now a uh, dog musher. Could there be wolves in there? Wolf dogs, half wolf, 
half husky. How do you know so much? I ride dog sleds. I'm a musher. And uh, a group of his former platoon foxhound has now that he he doesn't know any of the members anymore has taken over a nuclear weapons storage facility in Alaska. So they call Snake out of retirement to sneak into the base and destroy Metal Gear, which is a giant Metal Gear from all the games is a giant machine built to launch nuclear weapons um, and also stop the terrorists in the process. Uh, so he's basically the game is you walk around sneaking, hiding. Uh, it's not the, the controls are bad. Also, fighting is really hard and you get killed if you get seen most of the time. So you basically sneak around and, uh, you know. Yeah, Stop. I think kill the bad guys. I think that's where the disconnect from like having played the game and not having played the game comes in mostly. Is we, when you when I like heard about it and like what I knew of it, which was admittedly very little, I was like, this is gonna be like fucking cool. Like this is gonna be a cool game where I sneak around and like outsmart the game and I kill people without them knowing and I do all sorts of like crazy shit and I'm you know, skillfully out shooting them. And it's not like that at all. It's like, there are some moments where you're like, oh my God, and you're hiding and someone walks right by or something. But for the most part, yeah, it's like, if you're caught, you're dead. Because just an endless wave of guys comes at you and there's nowhere to hide. Or if you get into a gunfight, you lose because the combat is so bad and you can't aim. And it's, it's all from this like sort of almost top down um, like top down and a half angle <laughs> where you, and you can't really see anything cause it's like kind of zoomed in. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a bad feeling game in a lot of the ways that I expected it to feel good. And what ends up being actually the parts that I like about the game have like almost nothing to do with the actual gameplay, which I think is mostly bad. Yeah, it's definitely not, it's not Splinter Cell can like a Splinter Cell game like Splinter Cell Conviction, which is kind of what you're describing, like a really cool, mm-hmm. you know, lots of slow-mo headshots and stuff and really satisfying um cinematic gameplay. It is, you know, definitely not on that end of the end of the spectrum. Yeah, For it's sure. it, I mean, I think just talking with everyone we've talked about it with, like in the Discord and even my, this is my opinion as well. It's like so much of the game and story and writing is bad. Uh, however, like I think there's just so much heart and like good stuff about it that I like it despite all these problems. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, yeah like, w- you know, re- if I was to recommend this to somebody, I'd be like, <laughs> there'd be many, many caveats, like uh, especially starting this early in the series. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like everything that was released at the time is better than this, and that's what we've talked about. <laughs> <laughs> like Zelda came out at the same time as this, right? I like Zelda, have time. Yeah. yeah, like this. That was just like a much better 3D game. Like this is cool 3D. Like it's awesome looking, but like yeah, the game isn't. I guess I I think the game looks amazing. Um, do you guys enjoy the graphics at all? Because personally, I find like when I when I was like in the truck in the very first area and the snow yeah. is falling down and like, you're looking out the back of the truck and all the snow is coming down. I was like, Holy shit, this game looks awesome. Um, it is beautiful, but it's also dark and gritty in a lot of the game. 
uh, and I didn't think I was going to, like, I thought I was just going to be like, oh, it's an old, ugly game. Um, but I don't know. I love the way the faces are designed. Like those are just like drawn on designs. There's no like texture to any of the faces. It's all just coloring. Um, I thought that was like really cool and different. Uh, yeah. When when was the last time you guys saw GoldenEye? A while ago. Cause I, I GoldenEye came out the year before this, um, you know, humongous game. Everyone I knew was playing GoldenEye when it was out, especially the, you know, competitive mode against each other and whatnot and i was in my head i was like yeah but golden is like so much more fun than this and so much better and like i just remember being able to basically like aim and shoot which you basically can't do in this game and golden eyes first person and this game isn't um and i looked up you know sort of like a playthrough of golden eye and like you were talking about teddy i think you know there's a lot of parts of the graphics where i'd say it's really bad but the ambiance and stuff i think is is really good and yeah like you said like just little things like footprints in the snow and like smoke from your cigarettes and the snow falling. And they, they're able to, with the colors and stuff, like make you feel cold and make you, when you're in like a cold warehouse and make you feel hot when you're like surrounded by lava and like the gas like scenes, like you feel like you're in get like stuff that's really advanced. When you watch the GoldenEye playthrough, it's like a fucking joke. It's like, a bitmap, like if there's like trees in the background, it's like a green BMP with like lines drawn through it, black lines drawn through it. It's like, this is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and in, even though in my head, you know, you remember it as like, oh my God, amazing. But like, yeah, I think, I think that sort of, and this is going to be a recurring theme, that cinematic quality to the game and focusing more on those kind of things than other games at the time did like that was like huge and and stood out a lot i think you can see all of snake's abs <laughs> all 50 of them all 50 <laughs> of them so they did a really good job with the graphics <laughs> so i mean the series is credited as being like one of the first postmodern video games i don't really know what that word means me neither um I, you know, it's like a where we are, I guess, in art or I don't know, before a contemporary. I don't fucking know. I'm not even <laughs> going to talk about it. Um, and I think what this series does is ask what it means to be a video game um, and what it means to be a player. And I think it was asking these questions. I don't know if it was the first one to do it, but I think maybe one of the first really big mainstream series to do it. And it asks it progressively in a uh i don't know really interesting ways especially in metal gear solid and metal gear solid 2 i think a lot of games have done this better uh since then but essentially it's like um there's a dialogue between the game and you as a player that happens both by breaking the fourth wall which i don't know if we want to go into by <laughs> like you know telling you you're playing a game versus something like bringing you into the game which is like uh, when you fight Psychomantis, the psychic boss, um, he basically proves he's a psychic by moving the controller that you're using. You place, he says, place the controller on the ground, and you put the controller on the ground. He's like, I'll move the controller with my mind, and he uses his mind to move the <laughs> controller, um, which is, you know, he's bringing you and the controller into the game space as a part of the game experience versus like him being like, you know, hey, 
you're playing a video game. <laughs> yeah. Um, which I just, I, I, I don't know. I, I, maybe other people have done this before and I've read, you know. Yeah. There, there's an article that I posted on our discord, um, called a circular wall reformulating the fourth wall for video games. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes, but it talks a lot about that. And first of all, like the history of what breaking the fourth wall is. And obviously that comes from like theater and then TV and the movies where there's an actual wall, you know, there's, it's like the audience is watching a play, you know, and, and how that differentiates in a video game is that when you play a game, you fulfill the dual role of audience member and performer on stage. Um, so it becomes a more complicated thing. And I think the, the word that he used to describe it is the magic circle, whereas like that kind of event with the psychomantis doesn't break any wall. It actually immerses you more. It, it, moves, it moves the wall to include you. Whereas there are other moments in the game where it does break the fourth wall, like when he explains the torture section, he's like, press circle button repeatedly. It's like, I didn't want that. Like, shut up. You know, like, don't say that to me. Like, that does ruin immersion for me, which is, I think, how what people usually think of when they think of breaking the fourth wall, right? It's like, it's like in a comedy movie and they like look at the camera and wink or something. It's like a cheeky little joke. Whereas, like, to me, that's bad wall breaking, but they do a lot of the good stuff. Yeah, there's a really interesting interaction with a player throughout the game and things like entering a certain room, equipping a certain item, and then making codec calls kind of take these voluntary actions to that the game then responds to in a really interesting way. So if you start smoking cigarettes and then call Mei Ling, Mei Ling will chastise you for smoking. <laughs> um, and if you call... Nastasha, she will, your weapons expert, she will talk to you about, you know, loving cigarettes and, you know, how it's worth it on the battlefield kind of thing. Um, that was a good idea, bringing the cigarettes, but uh, don't smoke too much. Cigarettes make you weak in mind and body. They are bad for you. And so there's, there's lots of, you know, it's, I mean, in any other game, you would call this an Easter egg. And I guess it is, these are Easter eggs, but half of the content in this game is like that. And it's, uh, I don't know, I think it's, I think it's really rewarding and really fun to just kind of keep pushing the game and being like, oh, if I look at a bathroom and call Campbell, oh, he's actually going to comment on it. You know, there's just this amazing, yeah, there's this amazing player game interaction that I still think no game really does to the degree to which even Metal Gear Solid 1 did, let alone and this only, you know, this gets taken farther and farther in, in the following titles. Right. I think I, I was trying to think about this, like, you know, people are like, oh, well, that's just, yeah, that's just an Easter egg or something, right? Uh, it's just something clever the developer put in. But this is on a continuum where at the other end of the continuum is you're in the matrix and <laughs> everyone's reacting to everything you're doing in real time, not pre-programmed, right? It's, you could be like, oh, everything... There's, there are steps from here to that conclusion where at some point we'd be like, oh, this isn't just like cheeky. This is the game in dialogue with you consistently as a player. Um, which I guess, you know, 
it won't we won't quite ju- break that hurdle until it's like not pre-programmed in i guess and it's algorithmic or something like that but i think like you know the stanley parable is a game that's like they took this to we are just going to the whole point of the game is going to be what anticipating what the player does and reacting to what the player does and giving them really satisfying feedback based on this um which you know i think that game's just a masterpiece but you know it it was made i don't know 20 yeah probably about 20 years after 15 15 years after 15 years something? yeah something yeah i don't know yeah i have i have an easter egg like <laughs> progression in my notes that are really <laughs> long from when i was playing the first thing you already brought up today, the fr- one of the first notes in my entire thing that I wrote is the whole game feels like an inside joke that I'm not in on. <laughs> the thing that I said later as my frustrations grew is, and this will, you guys know whose apartment I'm talking about. I said, I feel like I'm showing up to someone's apartment. Everyone else is stoned. They're laughing at some horrible movie and I'm just like, hi. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing, the 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 last part of that progression is I genuinely think that this game is made better by knowing all of the answers and knowing how to do anything and knowing all of the Easter eggs, which is really weird because I'm playing it for my first time and I'm just playing how I've always played games. You know, I'm trying to win. I'm trying to do well. I'm trying to like not waste my time. I'm trying to, you know, I'm not trying to speed run it, but I'm trying to get through it. You know, I'm watching the shit, but like I'm not, you know, calling every five seconds to see what the, you know, Mei Ling says or whatever, even though I love Mei Ling. But when you know the Easter eggs and like know if I do this and this, then this happens, like I think that makes it more fun and it's like cooler. And it like I didn't enjoy the majority of my time playing the game, I, I was hating it. And I still like sort of want to play it again. <laughs> it's a weird Stockholm syndrome thing where I'm like, oh my God, you can make the wolves pee on you <laughs> so that they don't attack you. Like no one, how did anyone ever figure that out? Honestly, like <laughs> Kojima must've just been, he probably had different accounts and was like posting these on forums or something <laughs> so people would figure it out. Cause I don't see how you could ever do that. But if you slap Meryl and then hide in a cardboard box, these angry wolves piss on the box, and then you have the angry wolf pee sent on you, and they don't <laughs> attack you for the rest of the, the section. You know, I'm explaining for people who don't know. But there's all sorts of insane shit like that that's like, oh my god, that's funny, that's cool, like blah, 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 that I just wish I experienced. That's that's my one of my complaints is that like they didn't have to be hidden. Like right. some of them maybe. Yeah, some of them had to be maybe, but some of them like I don't know, they could have just been part of the game and the game would have just been better. Like the experience of playing the game would have been better. But, you know, I don't know, maybe that's a controversial take, but I meant the experience of playing it for the first time at least. How would they put it? How do you think they would make it a part of the game? Well, that the wolf one, I can't yeah. fathom an example, <laughs> you know, but yeah, I, I th- yeah, I don't know. You better uh, hide in that cardboard box, you little shit. Like, I guess like if they, when you smoke the first time, if they just called you, right? Or, you know, like that would be still funny. Like Naomi explaining to me, like the scientific reasons of why it's going to give me lung cancer. And then, 
you know, this is, I'm sort of spoiling what's like my favorite quote, but then, you know, Snake just says back like, but you don't know how good a cigarette tastes in the morning. I was just like, fuck yeah. But like, you know, you have to make that call to get that reaction. And like, I, I easily could have missed that. I was going to say, I think, I think it's really interesting because I, so I just played the PlayStation 1 version with two of my best friends, uh, two of my other best friends. And um, I was trying to figure out, because I've definitely introduced people to games before, showed people games, and been way too hands-on and involved and yeah. explaining things to them, telling them where to go, and ruin the experience. And I was really hands-off at first when we started this, when we started Metal Gear Solid, and pretty quickly I realized this is going to be a lot worse if they don't pick up on some of these things if they have to play through this area a 25th time. Um, like I figured Which is out what I, think, I had to do. Right, right. And I actually thought about it when you were first, you know, when you're giving your first reactions to the game. I, I think the only thing I told you was make a lot of codec calls. Yeah. I like call people all the time. Yeah. And I do think that's a good thing to have and will improve the experience. But it's almost like I was almost like, man, maybe I should have had him stream the first time he was playing so I could just kind of even just laugh at some things that happened to kind of show this is the humor of the game and yeah, this yeah. is what is totally. going to be funny when we play Metal Gear Solid 2 and it's called back to. Um so I I totally agree and I think I mean I guess the it's a yeah it's just the challenge is is it good enough to want to get you to play it again and be a little more curious about these things? Like did you encounter right. enough of them to be like, man, I wonder what you know happens if I do this next time? So. Yeah, it's like an interesting. It's like a we're almost talking about uh, critiquing in general because you know when people like you said in the intro thing, Danny, like this had overwhelmingly positive reviews. Like pretty much everyone was like, "This is the best game ever," or "This is the best PlayStation game ever." There was nothing like really below that. Um, but I feel like the reasons that it got all those reviews are not really the reasons that it's lasted the test of time, which is interesting because the critics like weren't right, even though they, they, they got the answer right, but they didn't show their work. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like, Oh, you liked all this, 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 like that stuff sucks. This game is good for these reasons, actually, you know, and that, that's why it's, 2021 and i'm playing a game from 1998 and i'm like i kind of want to play it again even though it sucked you know yeah it's it's stanley parable in 20 years will be not interesting or fun because there will be some other game that does this much better and is much more in dialogue with you um so in that sense like some of even some of these things are hard to go back to and be like this is awesome right this is much more like yeah it's like a chain in the evolution of what it means to be in postmodernism in games, whatever that means. But like, I think you know what I mean, right? It's like, it's starting to ask these questions about what it means to be a player in a video game and like with you, right? It's, it's not, Mm -hmm. it's um, with a whole total aura of self-awareness. It is sort of a meta commentary on games themselves a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, Which that's, that's, that's the key right there because uh, yeah, like like Danny said, a lot of my reactions to the early parts of the game are basically all negative. I mean, some of the stuff I have in my notes are, this is just Frogger, except I can't see shit. 
this is just Pac-Man, but I have a radar. Like, that's <laughs> what the stealth sections feel like. It's garbage. It's garbage gameplay. Like, shooting the guns, worst, worst game I've ever played in terms of combat. Legit, worst I've ever played. But then, like, yeah, there's all of this, like, broader stuff that's really interesting. And I'm, just, I'm trying to... What was that quote that you sent us, Teddy, the, from the review? Because I feel like that is kind of, like, what we're talking about a little bit now. Yeah, so, I mean, what you said before is, like, all these reviews are so bad. Like, they, like you said, they don't, they don't seem to actually... Everything they seem to say is wrong. Mm-hmm. And they don't seem to be able to inter- actually interact with what the game is. Um, like, they all complement the gameplay. And it's just, like, not yeah. good. Literally, right? no like, one gets it. It's crazy. Yeah, like... I guess the graphics are good, but like, who cares, right? It's like it's just amazing looking at some of this. So it's like they're reviewing a, a I don't know, toaster or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, so this quote, some I think, is one of the more interesting ones because most of them are just like, I'm like, how did I anyone read video game criticism? It's absolute <laughs> trash. But um, five years from now, when we look back upon Metal Gear Solid. What will we see? The game definitely is revolutionary in many ways. It breaks new ground in gameplay and truly brings the video game one step closer to the realm of movies. Uh, I guess that's good, according to this guy. Maybe. It is without a doubt a landmark game. But the extreme ease with which it can be mastered and the game's insultingly short length keep it from, from perfection. Plus, do we really want games that are more like movies? If Hideo Kojima, the game's producer, was so set on this type of cinematic experience, he should really be making movies instead of games. While Metal Gear Solid currently stands alone, it stands as more of a work of art than as an actual game. It's definitely worth purchasing, but don't be surprised if you suddenly get extremely angry when you finish the game the day after you brought it home. It's like it's like that Marx Brothers joke, the Woody Allen one from Annie Hall. It's like, the food here is terrible and such small portions. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, That's really good like what this guy's all over the place um but yeah he's like it, it breaks new ground in gameplay it, it's a work of art yeah, so, stands alone <laughs> right it brings it closer to movies but do we want that like uh, i like why is why are you i don't know it's just weird but i, I think one thing that i really we, we i landed on earlier when talking about this with you guys is he says it stands as more of a work of art than as an actual game. He frames this as a negative criticism. Like, imagine feeling that way about any piece of media you're interacting with. It stands as a work of art instead of a game. It's like, this This is like the greatest compliment. Like, you, you, <laughs> yeah. this is a work of art. And yeah. like, at this time, I guess, it's bad, right? It's like, no, that's not what we want. We want, like, fun, right? And yeah, we want... That. Temple Run. Uh, you know, I don't even know. Like, we want fucking Super Mario Brothers. We don't want right. this. Yeah. Right. And not to say that there's anything wrong with any of yeah. those things, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. It's just like, this is, this is it, right? And then, like, to be like, it's too short? It's like, what? I don't know. Just it, It's just very, it's all like, the reviews yeah. are strange. We'll put them in show notes. But I'm, so, I'm sorry, sir. Like, you've made a game that surpassed anything else that's ever come before it. It's trash. <laughs> it's like, wait, no, you just said it's. Well, I think, I think that Kojima really, and I've been thinking about when people say, 
I mean, I probably have said at some point that Kojima should just make a movie. Like he has said as much, you know, said that he wa- always wanted to be a filmmaker. He loves movies, loves American movies. And, but I, I think that he and the, their team in this game really figured out how to leverage the medium in really exciting and interesting ways that I think still haven't really been matched in a lot of ways. Um, and they obviously continue to push it, but yeah. So when I, when I think about it being a work of art, I think it's because they've, I'm, and I don't know, I can't think of a good comparison in another medium. And maybe it's because they're so, this is gaming games are so different, but just, just basically found another layer, another level to the medium that just totally changes the consumer or the uh, viewer's interaction with it. Um, yeah, I think the natural progression, and this is kind of like a really macro thing that I don't really have thought out. I'm just riffing, but like, you know, when you think about the progression of video games, most people think like, okay, the graphics get better. Okay, the games get more fun or more or harder or more competitive um, or smarter. And like all these natural things in gaming that people think about and uh, definitely like critique as well. And I feel like this game just came out of nowhere and was like, yeah, but what if it wasn't a game? And it's just like, what? <laughs> 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 it's like it's like it's like his guess it's like kojima's guess slash kojima's fantasy is that the future of video games are barely games they're just like hollywood blockbusters that you sort of interact with and i think that's where like my natural like guttural rejection came from because i come with all of this baggage of what a game means and I come with all this baggage of like what I anticipated the game being like. And then like that's what was given to me, you know, and I was like, it wasn't ready to process it. It took took time and it took beating it and it took like reading about it and thinking about it and talking about it with you guys before I even like began being like, Whoa, yeah, this is actually <laughs> there's something going on here, you know? Yeah, and I, I've tried to I've tried to sell it to people. You know, saying, you know, someone asked me what my favorite game is, and I started talking about Metal Gear Solid. And when I try to sell it to people, you know, I really, I'm all, pretty much I always, or I'm trying to sell Kojima, too. Uh, or sometimes, you know, sometimes I'll be just talking about him. Like, the, he he came up with the Psycho Mantis scene. And I'll describe what happens in the Psycho Mantis scene. And that still resonates and surprises people, surprises gamers, like, that are my age or, you know, around my age who didn't play these games when they came out. Um, like, but he reads he reads and talks about the memory card what do you and like there's you know it's just like and then you show him the scene like wow this is crazy and um now i'll read more deeply into your soul ah, i can see into your mind so you like soy coden so you like azure dreams you like Castlevania, don't you? You enjoy role-playing games. I see that you enjoy Konami games. I mean, this kind of this goes, you know, harps back to what you were saying, Alon. Just that it kind of required. It requires. I mean, the game. I think maybe the game fails in that it doesn't provide 
enough of this up front or make enough enough of this clear up front to keep you in because like if you had just decided randomly to try this game out it seems like you would not have spent more than an hour on it um i don't know if i even would have beaten the heliport right exactly like, I, I think i would have like i think the first time i i ran across to get like the chaff grenades or whatever and i got seen and just killed i was like this is fucking so stupid like i cannot believe that this is the game that is everyone's like favorite game <laughs> you get in the vents and you get a call from master it's like another codec call are you like yeah <laughs> when was the last time i put my controller down when i was playing a video game what the that, fuck i is have this that bullshit? i have that written down so many times yeah. i can't even i mean this is like a thing we do on our Patreon is like we send our notes and stuff like that out. And like you guys will see my half of my notes are like, this is the worst action movie ever made. This is the worst <laughs> game ever made. Like I'm my controller's been down for 20 minutes. I'm watching the worst fucking thing I've ever seen. I'm dozing off. I'm nodding off. Like it's just like <laughs> it's a fucking disaster. <laughs> so I want to come, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that, I like a lot of the gameplay. Um, oh, wow. I don't think it's super intuitive and the physicality of it is not clean, but I do I really enjoyed mastering like how to use mastering the mechanics in a really satisfying way. Um I don't know, I really just enjoyed being dialed in with the silent so calm and like lining up a shot like around a corner and not being able to see where the guy is. But as soon as he comes around the corner to watch like the laser start to move as it like auto tracks on the guy and then like wasting him. Um, I also love at one point I just said to myself, like this game is all boss fights basically. Yeah. Um, And what I think that does is it provides this like interesting way to just to introduce like new systems, some of which is based on some of the things you've done earlier, but that are almost like mini games. Um, they're all very different from each other. And I think bosses kind of has always been like this in video games, but I don't know, I guess because like you're not doing very much in between them, they all just feel really different and distinct. Um, and like the sniper wolf fight is like kind of annoying uh like i found that to be the hardest boss fight um that's a, a question a bunch of people asked us <laughs> yeah burns and all lowercase asked about that yeah did you did you guys feel like that was the hardest boss fight or was what do you think danny i i don't think so no i think the last two boss fights i think rex and liquid i died more on those than any other there was there was a sense of futility in the sniper wolf fight that I didn't really have with any of the others. I felt like, um, I just felt like, like, man, I just can't hit her more than three times without getting absolutely annihilated in this fight. Yeah. I, I definitely, definitely thought the sniper wolf was the hardest until, I mean, one of the only things, and this was actually another question from all lowercase. If it's your first time playing, how many things did you have to look up and ask for help? And I looked up the psycho mantis fight. Cause I mean, unless you know the trick, he just, the way it's designed is he dodges literally everything you throw at him. So if you don't know the trick, you can't hit him. <clears throat> so that was the hardest. But then once you know the trick, it's really like kind of dumb and easy. But um, 
Yeah, but the sniper fight was the, the only one where I just, I actually just like gave up one night. I was playing and I was just like, okay, I haven't had enough. Um, if you don't know to take the diazepam to stop the shaking in your hands, then like the scope is ridiculously hard to control. And if she, every time she hits you, the aim punch is like you just do like a fucking 180 <laughs> and like you and can't stay scoped in then stay scoped in you can't unscope you have to change guns if you want to move or unscope and so yeah i just i mean that is just one of like a hundred examples of why i think the gameplay is so bad i mean like i agree with you actually on the boss fight section um mostly in the second half of the game i think like the first like four or five bosses are absolutely terrible um uh, so it's revolver ocelot sniper wolf and you you snipe her again um the tank fight horrific um psycho mantis until you know the trick is just like you know like i understand there's cool things about it but the cool thing about it isn't the fight it's that what happens outside the fight. Um, but yeah, the later boss fights, I agree. I think they're cool. And there's like definitely groundbreaking like gameplay stuff. That's cool. And like once you get later in the game, you feel it feels that way. It's not like I haven't like gotten better at the game. There's just like better stuff happening for me to interact with, I think is really what happens. And but yeah, I think just like the base on the most basic video game level which again like is this a game i don't know maybe not on the most basic video game level it's just like movement and like vision and like fun and intuit in tuition and that kind of stuff is just like all bad in my opinion <laughs> yeah we were talking uh, a little bit before the podcast like metal gear solid 2 is a 2d action game top down very similar oh, metal, to this. Metal Gear 2. Sorry, Not Metal the, Gear 2. Yeah, yeah. Is very similar to this in the way, like, the camera's position, the way a lot of the stealth works. And, like, it's almost like the game shouldn't be in 3D because it plays so poorly as, like, a 3D, in, like, a 3D space. There's, like, some verticality, but in, like, really weird ways. And, like, maybe you could even do that in a 2D setting. Um but yeah, the camera's all over the place. Yeah. Like the camera will zoom in, zoom out, round a corner. Sometimes it's in front of you, sometimes it's behind you. You know, sometimes you're first person. Uh, when you elect to go in first person, you can't move. You know, there's just all kinds of stuff where, you know, I feel like the technology wasn't ready or people weren't ready to use the technology it's like one chicken or the egg i guess but i don't know danny what do you th what do you think of the gameplay and the movement and that kind of stuff it's kind of like a, a two-pronged answer i think that i enjoy the running around corners and timing it to do a grab and choke someone out i think that the loop eventually once you're really comfortable with the controls which are uh, absolutely abysmal um <laughs> throughout the series but uh, once you have kind of mastered them, I, fi I find the loop really satisfying and fun. Um, those, uh, what, what do the Bungie guys say? Those 90 seconds or whatever it is. Um, oh, or like yeah. those 30 seconds have to be fun, you know, that loop. So I did, I did eventually find it fun, but I do agree that 
I mean, the biggest problem for me has always been the controls in these games. Um, it's just like I was reading reviews that say the controls are intuitive or I was watching like a video essay oh about the God. game. I was like, I was like, it's okay if you don't talk about it, criticize it. Like if it didn't, wasn't a big deal to you, but it is just not, <laughs> there's just, it is definitely not. But um, I think the other thing is the game, the game uses the mechanics in a really interesting way. Like when in the psycho mantis fight, when he begins controlling Meryl and Campbell's like, don't shoot her. Like don't kill Meryl. It's like, well, what do I do? It's like, well, maybe I can knock her unconscious with the same, like, move that I use in these other areas, right? So you just flip her a bunch of times and eventually you knock her unconscious. I think you can punch her and then flip her to make it faster. I use the stun grenade. Oh, yeah. Okay, I punched, that's, that's I punched her. Wow. Okay, we all did a different thing. That's I would cool. literally I would literally flip her. It takes like six flips and then eventually she's unconscious. Um, Amazing. So, and like I found that mechanically very satisfying. Yeah. Uh, I found the... So I, I don't know. I think they're, again, the game finds a cool way to kind of leverage those moments or the, leverage the mechanics in an interesting way beyond just the, even beyond just the loop, which I do find fun, which I think you can find fun eventually. Right. Also in that fight, the Psycho Mantis fight, which I think is like the like undisputed masterpiece of this game is, despite it not being fun to shoot him, but you can... uh you can go into first person mode to find out where he is. Uh, so if you go into first person mode, you're 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 looking as if you are Psychomantis. So like when he's invisible and moving around, and you don't know where he is, if you go into first person mode, you are Psychomantis because of like the mind link, and you're like uh, breathing through his mask, looking into the room, and that's how you can locate him. And I shoot. didn't know that. You can also use the thermal goggles, yeah. to find him. That's what I did. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, also like I read about like people's just putting the infinite ammo thing bandana on and just shooting in circles. That's another way you can beat him. I don't know what that <laughs> even is, but that um, sounds cool. It's like an item you get when you beat the game. But yeah, the, re- the, re- the reason I use the word hierarchy is because I do agree with what you guys are saying, but I just feel like they skipped the part about like the movement being good and the controls being intuitive and like those basic it's almost like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs or whatever, but for video <laughs> game design, it's like they skipped all of the basic shit. Like all of the like Mario games from 10 years earlier feel better than this game movement wise and more intuitive, but they did use stuff in interesting ways. They skipped ahead. They like skipped to the top of the pyramid of like, well, let's like do this and knock her out and integrate the mechanics and integrate what the players learned in cool ways. I just feel like they could have just did the other stuff well also, but you know, totally, we're talking yeah. about tactics. Yeah. Right. And that's yeah. true. Yeah. That you're right. It's just not that it's like, it's not gameplay, right? I mean, it's not, it's not uh combat, right? It's like, yeah, it's like, what do I think about doing when the game's paused? Right. That's very <laughs> different than does it feel good to move around in the 3D <laughs> game space as exactly. an action game, which is what, it's supposed to be. Yeah, and I, I honestly like don't even really want to talk about the gameplay anymore because it's so trash. But like we mentioned before, like if you get caught, like <laughs> you basically just die. Like there's just infinite soldiers. You can't see anything. Your radar's jammed when you get caught. So like you can't see around corner. You just can't see anything. And you think you're safe and then some guy runs up with a gun. It's like, can we just like 
either give me a way out or just make me instant die when I get caught. Like either of those are much better, you know, because it's basically an instant death anyway. It just takes long. Um, and then there's the other part of it, whereas you get incredibly punished for being caught or dying. Like in the parts where you're supposed to be stealthy, you'll you'll complete a bunch of it. You'll get a bunch of items. You'll find a new gun. You'll get by all these gun cameras, and then some guy that you can't see on your radar or whatever, like sees you and alerts you. You die, and you have to go all the way back to the vent that you crawled through, and the the same people call you, and you have to get through that, and. You know, the cutscene plays again, and you have to do that, and then you have to go get all the items that you just got all over again. Like, there's just like, clean it up, man. You know, like that <laughs> stuff is just so bad. And like, for a new player, it's just like, I'm not having fun in that space. You know, it's actually the opposite. I'm, I feel like I can't have fun, which is like the worst feeling in a game. You know, it's like, you can't I, experiment. Yeah, I can't experiment because I'll die and I'll get sent back to the van. I can't even begin to enjoy this that's when i probably around the time when i wrote to you guys like i feel like you guys are trolling me there's no way anyone could possibly enjoy this game like that's genuinely how i felt and it was just like yeah i can't have fun i can't experiment i can't do anything like i just have to go really meticulously and just like really slowly and just get through this section and just like fucking get to the next section that's gonna also suck and have to do that again you know that's how it feels for a new player. Yeah, I won't. I won't stand up for the gameplay despite enjoying <laughs> it. I think it is like objectively bad. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think we've yeah we've got that. That's a caveat to every everything we talk about for the rest of the episode. Just remember that we didn't like the gameplay very much when this when X happened. Want to talk about the the technology a little bit more, or should I? Or should we take a break and then talk about that? No, let's talk, let's talk, talk about the tech before so, we. Yeah, like I just wanted to jump back to the thing you you talked about earlier, which was, you know, so Metal Gear 2 came out on MSX, which basically was a console that didn't really exist outside of Japan, I don't think. But it's Metal, Metal Gear 2, you're saying? Uh, yeah, Metal Gear 2. Yeah. Um and it came out in 1990, like right around when Link to the Past came out, and it looks pretty much exactly like Link to the Past. It's just a Top-down, 8-bit game, like, pretty standard, that's what we all played when we were young type of game, but you're a snake and you're in a military base. A lot of the game is basically identical to Metal Gear Gear Solid, like, story-wise, the boss fights, like, how the cameras work, how the soldiers work, how the AI works, and all that stuff, but I feel like, gameplay perspective, like, it would have been, it's probably so much more fun, like... You have to ask yourself, like you mentioned this earlier today, like why is it 3D? Like actually why? Like what is what are the benefits you get from making this a 3D game? And I just don't feel like that was actually considered. Like when I was thinking about this earlier today, I was thinking, okay, why did they make it 3D? Like it was the newest technology, it was the coolest, most cutting edge technology. That's a big reason why. Um it doesn't the game doesn't really lend itself to 3D. It worked better in a top-down 8-bit game. And then I I remembered one thing that we talked about in Subnautica, which was the last episode. Someone asked about, did did any of us play it in VR? And Danny, you're the only one with with a VR headset. So we were like, Danny, did you you try it in VR? And I think your reaction was basically like, I didn't even think about trying it 
because most games VR sucks and it's a complete afterthought and they'll put in like one VR thing that doesn't make it worth playing but it's like this one cool thing and then it's like stupid and I wish I wasn't playing in VR and it felt like that to me when I thought about this game being in 3D where it's like there's no doubt in my mind that there will be great VR games. Maybe there already are. I don't really know anything about it. But like, there will be great ones, for sure. No question. But anyone that's like trying to do it ahead of time or before some genius figures out the good way to do it or something like that just like misses. And it doesn't feel good. And it doesn't add anything to the experience, really. And I just I had that like connection in my head when i was thinking about them and going 3d and and you know using live footage and like stuff that they could only do because it was on the playstation and it was just like sucks (laughs) i think that's a yeah it's a very interesting comparison i think yeah it's almost like playing skyrim vr it's like i mean that's the most egregious egregious example because the game is just not made for vr so nothing feels good in VR. <laughs> I mean, it feels good to swing a sword, but just nothing. There's, it's just very clearly not built around it. And so much of the gameplay is 2D in this game. And so it's almost like the 3D is almost gimmicky, right? Yeah. It, it almost has that feeling. It's definitely, it's not quite as extreme as like a game literally being ported to VR with no thought whatsoever, like Skyrim. Um, but in a weird way, it is. You know what I mean? It's not directly ported but that's kind of what i was saying it's like we're gonna remake this 8-bit game from 1990 but make it 3d it's like the game already works what are we (laughs) changing what are we adding right there should be a there should be a reason that you change the entire like add a whole new plane to the game right like spelunky is 2d there's probably a reason they made it 2d and not 3d right and it was probably a very coherent design decision yeah and I assume there was some reason, but probably most of it was because we can. Yeah. And like, that's not a good reason to situate your game in a space. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I just had that in my head. Just wanted to get that out there. Yeah. And I just, before we, before we break the, um, I don't know if we'll come back to this, but we're talking about gameplay, basically, you know, almost like our old prompt of what age well and what didn't age well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dugan asked, how do the unique interactions like the Psychomantis controller port, Meryl right. Kodak number, all this stuff, how does that hold up in the way you played the game? Um, and whether or not they were, you know, the, seeing them uh, when they came out with no context, context versus hearing about it and seeing it. Um, so basically, Dugan's question, I feel like it is very closely related to what we were just talking about. Yeah. And for me, I think that the really unique and exciting wall breaking and kind of game player relationship breaking events in the game are still pretty much unmatched. I think in anything I've played, like I still think the psycho mantis moment is like having to change controller ports and reading the memory card. There's just, there's just not that kind of creativity in games now, I feel like. And I think like the Stanley Parable is a great example of a game that followed up on a lot of the pl- literal like player character interaction, you know, having the narrator kind of react to what you're doing in the same way Metal Gear does or Metal Gear Solid does. Um, but I still think that those create and the creative use of the game's mechanics, like knocking out Meryl versus killing her, I think those have aged 
extremely well still. When you're getting tortured by Ocelot, I played on hard and he tortures you an extra time. And also, uh, I didn't realize you could heal after the torture's over. So like after mm. each sec torture section yeah. is done, you can still like move your health bar up. And I yeah. thought it was like as soon as he stops electrocuting you, it's over. So I died and had to do the sniper wolf boss fight, which is my oh. hardest boss fight. And I died like 10 more times. Then I got up to him again after saving and then lost again. And my arm was killing me like <laughs> i'm a, definitely an old gamer and so when i called uh natasha and she like or naomi and she uses the nano machine the controller no it's yeah, yeah natasha, natasha, sorry yeah. sorry and naomi uses the she gives you a massage with the playstation controller like after you, the guy you didn't know about that teddy i mean no, danny I didn't. danny didn't know about that it looks like oh yeah yeah so so not only did i get fucked by not submitting to the torture and getting a real game over, losing a bunch of progress. Like I should have submitted in that game, in that interaction, but I didn't because I'm stubborn and they punished me for it in like a sort of X, like a meta way. And then I got massaged by Naomi on my arm. Like that whole segment, I was just like, fuck yeah, this is so sick. Yeah, um, I I've re only read about that. I like she tells you to put the controller on your back or something like that. Yeah, right? she's like and, just hold it up to your arm, yeah. and then she vibrates it, which yeah. is just fucking genius. And to answer Dugan's question, which is, I think I basically already covered from my perspective, which is the game would be more fun if I knew about them beforehand. The game, I I missed most of them. And that's not because of like how I played or I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't speed running it. I didn't like skip the cinematics, even though I wanted to. I didn't skip the codec interactions, even though I wanted to, because I was trying to experience it for the podcast. But it wasn't cool when I had to switch to keyboard on Psycho Mantis because I died like eight times already. And I was like, I can't hit him. It's fucking impossible. I have to look this, sh this up. You know, like, it's just, like, frustrating. And I'm already hating the game up until that point, you know? I didn't... I don't know. I just, like... there, There's definitely some stuff that's missed, right? So Merrill's Kodak number, you're supposed to look on the back of the CD case. There's just nothing I could have done. Apparently, I read, like, if you call, eventually they give it to you or or Campbell tells you, or something uh, like that. There, there's some other way to do it, I don't remember. But, like, yeah, I just had to Google that, which sucks. You know, like, that's 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 the bad breaking of the fourth wall versus how they did it as, like, the cool breaking of the fourth wall, you know? Or the expansion of the fourth wall, maybe I should call it. But, yeah, I just, like, that's one of the main things that I have after the game that's changed my perspective of the game, but I just wish... I didn't have to play the whole thing again to experience them all. Because, like, I hear about them, and they're cool, and I'm like, fuck, I wish I did that. That's so cool. That's so creative. That's so unique. But I didn't experience, like, any of them. Yeah, so I, th I think in order to talk about story, we have to uh, first talk about that this is a Japanese game that's translated into English. So whenever we're talking about writing or even like overall themes and all this, it's coming from uh, a Japanese director, writer, who's then being translated through, uh, um, I think, an American. Um, mm -hmm. We read the in Polygon, he wrote an article about the translation of Metal Gear Solid. 
um, the translator and localizer who was just one person, which is like insane. Um, and also wasn't paid up front, by the way, or periodically. <laughs> he was paid yeah. at the end after eight months of work. Um, but he's also, which I couldn't believe, is also the translator who translated Symphony of the Night and came up with the line, what is a man, a miserable pile of secrets. I was so like, good. I was like, that this guy had a job after that is mind-blowing. <laughs> it's also it's also much better translation. But well, also, it's like, he also did this all solo, but... There was no other English speakers on the other end. Is also yeah. fascinating. They're just like this guy will do it. I'm sure he's doing a great job. <laughs> There's no, <laughs> there was no English speaker in the Konami office who was like checking him or like being like actually make it more sound like this. They just gave. They just like sent him a binder. I think he says. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and he's just like he's like watching old spy movies and shit. Like basically making up his own like vernacular for how to how it would sound if it were an American game or a game in English. So funny. Right. And he, there, we'll put it in show notes, but there's all kinds of stuff about localization, stuff like that. Like what, even if you translate the words, right, it's not, that's not enough, right? There's like so much, so much other things going on in it. Um, like something that I find like fascinating about some of the stuff, like Murakami, the like Japanese writer who wrote like, uh, all those books and everyone loves, I haven't read any of them. Um, <laughs> But he, he doesn't, he's a Japanese translator. He translates book into English oh. and vice versa, but he doesn't translate his own books. Huh. And like, to me, that's like, you know, you read this stuff and you're just like, this, this seems so important for like your work totally changes, but he's yeah. just like, like there are a lot of people who just like, don't translate their own work, even though they can't, he's like, literally his other job is being a translator and he didn't translate his own books. Wow. Um, <gasps> So I don't know, just like this, this whole space is like, you know, this is the complet. This is like what you study in complet, right? It's like very involved. Um, but yeah, Japanese dude who loves American movies is making a movie about, you know, American shit and uh, like an American spy, American political intrigue. Um, and I think it kind of like sets up like a pretty weird but interesting story that is has lots of issues um the the story is both like subversive of this genre and also relishing it so it is this uh kind of celebration of american action cinema or just action cinema in general but also a lot of the dialogue subverts those tropes and especially snake's character you know, his motivations and his dialogue are very subversive of, you know, a hardened war hero trying to save the world and do what's right. You know, he is like, he's very conflicted about everything he's doing. He's very frustrated by the betrayal and um, lack of trust between him and his man, you know, his CEO. And then also the other people that are part of the operation. Um, I just think it's really interesting how it both subverts and then facilitates this genre um, and or subverts and celebrates it. And I think they do. I think it's a really satisfying balance that, that they strike in the game. Um, but yeah, there, there is when you first start, you're like, Oh, this is a game about like a dude with chiseled abs who like saves the day. Yeah. Um, right. He's hitting on the girls on his team. Right. He's like a just 
I'll hold you to that, doctor. Yeah, he's just like a like a grunt, you know. He's just uh, he's gonna you know he's gonna kill the bad guys and save the day, and then he's gonna get the girl in the end. He's all out of bubble gum. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and then by the end of the game, spoiler alert: literally the only reason Snake is there is to come into contact with the villains of the game and kill them with a disease. Like you are your perfectly chiseled body is literally so you can walk around and talk to the villains. That's why you were sent into this base, right? You are like your prowess and all this stuff, like your intellect, all this stuff. None of this actually matters. Like, I mean, it does because you kill everybody, I guess, but like you are just like such a useless pawn and you're, they're happy to throw you away at the end of the game. Um, and I think the game is like simultaneously saying like, yeah, this doesn't matter, but also like, I, I think, I think by the end of the game, it like you realize the game doesn't think you are as special as you actually are. Yeah. And it's another interesting thing that I was thinking about while you were talking about that is it's another, yet another thing that the critics just got like all wrong. I think is every, every review again, incredible story, the twists, the turns, the action, like all of the stuff that, you know, it's subjective. Some people might love it. Some people don't. I, I thought it was basically all that, like all the like, Oh, but this, like it, it felt like if a 10 year old was writing a movie, but like, but then this happens and then this happens and then this twist, you know? And I'm just like, Oh, whatever, you know? But then, yeah, there's that, what you just covered, Teddy, which is like a, a much more interesting idea of like you not mattering and like that, you know, the the commentary of a hero in general. And then there's also like all of the geopolitical stuff. There's genetics and nukes and war, especially from the Japanese perspective with the, the nu- uh, nuclear bomb and just like there's so much stuff that's like bigger than the pretty cheesy, pretty, in my opinion, poorly written story, which is what everyone focused on like incorrectly again. Right. Yeah. This one, one review said there's a quote, still there are enough twists and turns in the plot to keep it interesting in spite of its obvious and annoying anti-nuclear agenda. <laughs> <laughs> like that's what an all timer. That's an all timer. Like what? psycho wrote that <laughs> it is amazing Annoy- how backwards all of this how like not just wrong like just literally backwards yes. this commentary is it's crazy yeah it it's uh, yeah it's upside down yeah it's, it's like you yeah like it being wrong would would not be this remarkable um <laughs> yeah i think it's uh i mean i've said this before and i i, I think i might be you know kind of alone here but like th- we have like tons of nuclear weapons ready to go at any time. Like we are, we, we've been, the the amount we've been in the nuclear age is like a fraction of geological time. We are on the verge of destroying ourselves every day. And like, the more you read about this, like the more he talks about like muff material unaccounted for, (laughs) like it is absolutely insane that we are living in this time. And like for me to even talk about it right now, I think people think I'm like insane, like to worry about it. But like we could literally 
you know, we're very close every day to killing billions of people and or at least hundreds of millions. And it's like psychotic and that we all pretend like it's normal is actually probably more crazy. And I think like having especially, you know, Japanese who had a bomb dropped on them talking about this, like they're like, no, this is like a big deal. And uh, don't forget about this. And like, here's yeah. a story about it. And you have some like idiot American journalist being like, who <laughs> fucking cares about your anti-nuclear agenda? Yeah. <laughs> you, uh, it's disgusting, actually. Yeah. It's- and I just and I, I, I don't know, I appreciate that component of the story. Like at the end, when they like talk, they do like the the text but like America yeah. still has 3000 bombs. Like it's yeah. cheesy and lame, but it's like, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm glad that, you know, someone was talking about it. I yeah, guess there, there was a, I think it was, I tried to listen to some pot when I was deep in hell in this game, I was trying to figure out what people could possibly like about the game. So I was like, you know, reading reviews, which didn't help, but listening to some podcasts and stuff like that of other people who talked about it. And yeah, there was one, I think it was Retronauts. I, I I'm not 100%, but I think so, and I could link to it. But they kind of ended their episode in the same vein, and we're just like, this is the first game that was like, hey, you know, we're not American, but all of that stuff you guys did like wasn't like good. You know, like I know that like you are taught that it was good, and you, you know, you had to drop the bomb, and you won the war, but like you dropped the nuclear bomb on us and, you know, and like whether, you know, whatever political side you're on, I mean, just the idea of a game this popular, like questioning that I think is great and cool and like unique and um, outstanding, honestly. I mean, there's the broader subject of nuclear weapons, but then also nuclear proliferation is, you know, the kind of the main focus here. It's like, or, you know, proliferation and escalation arms race. There's something about Metal Gear is a representation of the progress of killing technology, right? And like we just continue right. to up the ante, right? And it's like at some point, maybe someone should say, like, maybe we shouldn't do this, right? Like right. maybe <laughs> right. Right. Like maybe just increasing our killing power because I don't know. Like in this game, it talks about it's like this is a a, a lot of the political commentary is you, a lot of people aren't even asking that question because this is all caught up in the deep state and the military industrial complex, right? Like this guy is just trying to, uh, not the DARPA chief, um, Baker, Baker. Baker. Yeah. Arms he's, tech president. Yeah. The arms tech president is literally just trying to save his company, right? He doesn't give a shit about, yeah. He doesn't give a shit about world politics or the arms race. He's like, this is the only way I can save my, my, co- my military contracting company. Right. And like this the reason like we might have a nuclear weapon launched or like a totally globally destabilizing event happen is because of uh, just a greedy asshole. Right. And like that, that we, we are subject to the world is subject to people like that in a lot of ways. And like, that's really scary. And it doesn't matter if you have like noble grunts who are like snake, like people above him will you know, are controlling all this in a lot of ways. And that's like bad and scary too. Um, and I, I think like that, uh, the writing, like the scene to scene stuff, I think is bad in a lot of ways. Yeah. I agree with Alon, but there's like, if you kind of like, you know, open your eyes wide and 
blur let it blur out a little bit you're like oh yeah i kind of like you know i'm on board with what they're saying what they're trying to do here it's a little bit how it's a little bit like the room in that the dialogue is really bad but these greater conversations about jealousy and love and betrayal (laughs) is just so (laughs) poignant you know it's just beautiful yes there's so much humanity underlying the room (laughs) yeah and it's interesting to go back to where you started with this with the localization and the translation because you know like we're talking about his interpretation of what kojima would have wanted it to sound like in english is bad (laughs) so like we really have no concept whatsoever of like how kojima wrote it it could be like the coolest sounding action movie ever, but every line that I forget his name wrote was just really cheesy and like really derivative of every action movie that was out at the time or even like out 10 years earlier than this, like the Rambos and stuff like that was kind of like the vibe of a lot of the, the one liners and stuff like that. So it is interesting to think like, I wonder, maybe we should look for like a Japanese review <laughs> and maybe maybe we'll get like a different perspective on that stuff. But um, Luke's, Luke and all lowercase asks, what were your favorite lines and favorite scripted moments? Which I think is, is interesting because there's a lot to choose from for sure. When you find out uh, Liquid is, or that Master is Liquid. Yeah. And like basically your first real interaction with liquid snake you come out of the room after he reveals who master is and he just he's snake did you like my sunglasses (laughs) (laughs) and it's like this is the big reveal of like the villain is like this line i'm just like oh my fucking god like you gotta be kidding me i just i absolutely lost liquid snake did you like my sunglasses like, did Kojima write <laughs> verbatim in Japanese, do you like my sunglasses? I find that kind of hard to believe, you know? But maybe he did. But maybe it's something really cool sounding and he just, like, couldn't get it c- couldn't get it to sound like that. Considering know. there's been more than one translator and every game he makes has dialogue like this, I think, it's, okay. I think it is him. <laughs> See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Okay, yeah. good one. What about you, Danny? Um... I really like, uh, man. Yeah, there's a lot of really good liquid interactions. When he's, he's like, why? When Snake's like, why do you keep calling me brother? And he says, I'm you. <laughs> it's just like, so the snake's finally come out of his home. Are you ready now, my brother? Why are you calling me brother? Who the hell are you? I'm you. I'm your shadow. What? That so voice actor good. is a fucking complete psycho. <laughs> oh, the liquid guy. That is so funny. He's like hiding a British accent the whole yes, time. Yeah, what yeah, is yeah. his accent? I yeah. have no idea. He's hiding an accent the whole time and he he that was a really good imitation of him, I think, Danny. Like and I'll I'll find some clips and put put them in when we release the episode, but like his intonation and stuff is just like so weird and so like I don't even know what it is. Yeah, I think also it's a good Time to plug Solid Gear Metal, the video game donkey video we were talking about earlier. Just Incredible. some of the funniest brief pieces of dialogue are in are in that. But um, I also love when you're looking for the sniper rifle to have the first fight with uh, Sniper Wolf. Um, the when, when Snake calls Otacon and Otacon's like, oh, I don't, 
uh, I don't know. He's like, what is wrong with you, Otacon? <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> what? Uh, or when Snake, Damn, when Snake like good. hugs Otacon, he's like, how are you? Are you feeling all right? Otacon's like, what? Get off me! <laughs> oh yeah, he's like, everyone I died has a, everyone I saved suddenly dies. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, there's like there are moments like that where the game seems to be a little bit more aware than you thought it was. Right? It's like. Like, oh, yeah, like snakes making a joke about everybody dying earlier. Right. Or you're like, what is wrong with you, Otacon? Like, you also are like, it's like, oh, okay, not everybody in this game is a total fucking idiot. <laughs> so the guy who voiced Liquid Snake is Cam Clark, born in Burbank, California. Amazing. He has an amazing French accent. So, yeah, so, yeah, so uh, Galax. Les enfants terribles. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Unless I'm getting that wrong, I'm pretty sure it's Cam Clark, so I don't know. But um, I got all I the recessive genes. Seen, yeah, like I, I, I need to play it again. Like I honestly need to play it again because like I'm laughing and those parts were funny, but they weren't funny to me at the time because I wasn't in on the joke, you know? So I said earlier, you know, like when you're, when you when I found out that you even have cigarettes on you, I love smoking cigarettes. I don't smoke anymore, but I fucking love cigarettes. And I saw that you have cigarettes like in your inventory. I was like, oh my god, fucking amazing! Like that's so cool. I'm gonna smoke them. It doesn't really like work. Like I don't know. It's kind of like weird. But so I like the part when you call Naomi and she's like, "Are you smoking?" He's like, "Yeah." So what? And then she goes on for like five pages about the actual science of how smoking <laughs> causes lung cancer and then i i read his answer earlier which is you know a lot about science but you don't know how good a cigarette tastes in the morning <laughs> it's just like i love that and then the other one is um it's been memed a million times but you know it's my first time playing it but it's like one of my japanese animes <laughs> what's with these guys it's like one of my Japanese animes. That's one of uh, that's one of my Twitch sound effects and has yeah, been. Yeah, it's for this Otacon like cowering in the corner to the cyborg ninja, and it's just like unbelievable. I burst out <laughs> laughing. But oh yeah, I mean, I, there's just so there's so many like, and that that donkey video I think really like encapsulates it well with just like how funny Snake is and asking every. Like every question, every answer is a question. Um, You're the host of White Flank, right? Like it's just like every everything he says is a question. It's just like so funny. Okay, it's I have just a new like a meme factory. This yeah, it really yeah. is. I have a new uh, new answer, which is if you. So there's two there's two endings, um, which oh, I feel yeah, like is yeah. often overlooked in this game. I assume you both got the Merrill ending, right? Yeah. So. I had only ever seen the Merrill ending, but then I, pl- I was playing with my other two friends and uh, they, uh, and Jacob, who was playing during the torture scene, submitted like right away. Amazing. Uh, in the torture. What? And then. Does this see uh, what happened? Or like- I, I know. I think, he, I think he was trying and then he was like, okay, and then gave up. But so, uh, so he submitted. And so at the end, it's the, uh, you're, it's you finish Otacon, with Otacon, right? which I had never seen before. So I was like, what is it. going on? And at one point, and they're sitting on the snowmobile, similar is basically you swap out Otacon for Merrill. And he's like, what's your, what's your name? What's your real name, Snake? He's like, David. He's like, okay, Dave. It just immediately starts calling him Dave. And then Snake responds like, huh, Hal and Dave, 
maybe we should go to Jupiter, and they both just go, <laughs> oh, like space oddity, right? Yeah, or just adds, <laughs> or not so space good. oddity, yeah, uh, two thousand one, two thousand one, two thousand one, yeah, yeah. 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 Maybe it's we should so go fun. to Jupiter. Where to, Snake? My real name is David Otacon. I'm Hal, Dave. Oh, that's right, Hal. Hal and Dave. That's a good one. <laughs> Maybe we should take a trip to Jupiter. <laughs> Amazing. So funny. Yeah, also, the, the David, the David part, even on the Merrill ending, I was like, what? <laughs> like, my name's David. David. I also loved the Inuit Olympics conversation. Oh my God, with Vulcan. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> is going on i was like i i i remember it vaguely but i was just like i i can't believe this is in here you live in alaska too you know of the world eskimo indian olympics yeah i know it must be a real threat in the muck duck eating contest yes you are right but there is another event that i excel at it is called the ear pool it is an event where two opponents pull each other's ears while enduring the harsh cold. It tests spiritual as well as physical strength. You want to pull each other's ears? The form is different, but the spirit is the same. A- another podcast that I listened to about this game was uh, called Watch Out for Fireballs, and he was laughing because he said a friend of his once told him that every Native American or Shaman character, which the Inuit Olympics guy as a shaman. Every Native American or shaman character in every video game ever says one of two lines, which is either you've angered the spirits or the spirits are angry. And it's just like, it just nails it. It's, yes. It totally nails it with this yeah. guy. Yeah, it's... Uh, def- there's definitely some problematic stuff in this game. Oh, sure. yeah. Yeah, which, you know, we are talking story. It might be a decent time to bring that up, which is just the... <laughs> overt sexism in the game that really doesn't age well <laughs> if we're talking about what age the best what age the worst it's like it's brutal like it's throughout the game it's every female character it's almost every interaction with every female except sniper wolf i guess and it's just like uncomfortable <laughs> you know it's like i don't know if you guys have ever had this but i've shown people like old movies that i like but i haven't seen in a while that are now problematic and they're just watching it like not laughing like what the fuck and i'm watching it like horrified because i'm like wow like i used to like love this part or whatever you know now it's like oh god this is like brutal and kind of i kind of have that feeling like throughout the game yeah it's amazing how like stuff from the 90s is just like yeah so sexist i'm like what (laughs) Like, yeah, I do not remember this at all. Like, did we didn't we were we were still here back then? Like, right. Like the the butt shots in this are like unbelievable. Like, I think male gaze is a little bit overused. Right. Uh, Which is like. You guys familiar with that term? Like, um, yeah, not really. Like the usually the people making these media are men for and therefore, like f- often for men by oh, like, sexualizing okay. women with the camera. Basically, yeah, like yeah. the camera is the man looking at the woman. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think there's some problems with it. It's like heteronormative and uh, whatever. But 
like this is like so extreme, right? It's like you, the camera is different at a different angle when looking at Meryl <laughs> for a bunch of shots. They're literally like looking at her, her butt. It's like unbelievable. It's so <laughs> sad. And I'm just like, you know, like some of this, you know, like I think you can explain away some of the sexualization of certain characters. Like I think, well, Snake, right? I mean, we, we talked about this before. I was kind of going to bring that up right there because we talked about beforehand how, like, Snake is who he is. He's a military jock grunt dude. Like, he's acting in that role. Him saying, like, you've got a nice butt is, like, it fits, you know? In the same way that, like, if he were the one controlling the camera, if this was a first-person game and you're Snake... You're not Gordon. If you were a snake, then like looking at the butt would almost kind of fit. Cause I'm like, yeah, well, snake would definitely check out the butt, right? But yeah, there's, there's, so it's like, excuse maybe in his case, but then like the women themselves, especially Meryl, the things that she says and her relationship with men is like really brutal. Like the, to me, those were the worst parts or her describing how. She wanted to be a soldier, so she had to undergo psychotherapy to not be attracted to men because, you know, obviously women can't control themselves around other men. And, you know, so like without that, she couldn't be a soldier. Like just brutal, brutal shit like that. I don't know. And just that the idea that the hero always saves the girl and like the guy has to protect the one you love and just like, I don't know, stuff that's just super outdated. Yeah. I think this, uh, a little different, but kind of what I was saying before of how the game kind of subverts, but also celebrates the action hero genre. I feel like Kojima's games do the same thing with women, which is it like subverts. There's like some subversiveness here. Like, Meryl is an undercover foxhound agent in the nuclear storage facility. She knows what's going on. Like she is at, and some of the sections like more capable than snake has been. She leads you through the, you know, the minefield. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, also has this like ridiculous sexualization and it's, it's just like, and a lot of it's just like dumb. It's not. And this happens with quiet in metal gear solid five. I mean, this is like, and that this is like it taken to the extreme, which is she, there's like a reason like Kojima's like, Oh, don't worry. I have like this pl- like plot reason that she is dressed like this all the time. But then, and like, okay, maybe, but then there's all of these little moments in the game and camera angles and stuff that is like clearly highlighting the sexuality of it and not in service of the story or the gameplay or the mechanics, uh, you know, or anything interesting. Right. And so, it's yeah it's like a similar thing it's like tries to be subversive but like doesn't actually um take that chance i don't know or he just doesn't i feel like he there's i think he's just sexist really (laughs) right right, he's made too many games or it's been it's it's has been a recurring problem i think he is trying to say something but i think deep down he doesn't fully get it and it's like really shocking like Quiet is in a bikini and like fishnet pants. And he's like, it's okay because she is photosynthetic and I'm going to show you her boobs. It's like, no, this isn't okay. Like, no. Um, yeah. And like, I, you know, Sniper Wolf, if she was the only 
like, you know, you can see her boobs the whole time, right? Like, but she's also really powerful, right? She's an amazing sniper. She's, uh, I don't know. She's awesome. I think she's really cool. She's a better sniper than you. Yeah. I mean, yeah, everyone totally. dies to her multiple <laughs> times. She fucking shreds you. <laughs> yeah, but, and if she was... If that, like, of her cleavage was, like, the only sexualization of the game, I'd be like, okay, like, you know, she's sexy and a badass, and that's okay, right? Like, it's not... Yeah, yeah you know, like, to me, that's the same as showing, like, Snake being ripped and show his abs. It's right. like, it's a fantasy, like, that's fine, you know, whatever. But everything else, it's like, oh, no, yeah, like, this is just another piece of the sexism puzzle, and <laughs> you put it all together, and you know what you got. Do you, we had a couple more questions uh, that I, to I think will help us close this out. Yeah. Um, which one? One's from David. What did he say? Yeah. So this is not in a uh, in Discord. This was sent to me in confidence. Oh, never mind. Okay, uh, we can't do it. Can't do it. <laughs> um, and that is if there wasn't any sequel to Metal Gear Solid. Do you think it still would have been like the classic that it is today? Would it, you know, wh- how would its position in gaming and in gamer culture be different? That's really interesting. I think honestly, it would be kind of remembered how we, the first half of this episode, discussed it, which is this game is all is like unplayable, but is like worth it for some like really good laughs, some really creative use of the medium. Um, like, I feel like that would just be everyone would be like, man, remember that like crazy Psycho Mantis fight? Um, and I'm sure like other stealth games that came after it would just, you know, it'd still be super influential. But um, I, I think a lot of this, a lot of, I mean, obviously Kojima's is like the prescience that is like assigned, uh, ascribed to him and the, uh, the, yeah, the influence of the game has really just been driven by the subsequent releases and the continued improvement on what mm. what they did what they did here. So, um, this was big, but it it really the series as a whole is just it's the, it's really about the series. I think I don't feel particularly qualified to answer this as I haven't played any of the other games. Although we will be playing Metal Gear Solid Two relatively soon. But what I would say is that, like, I feel like my bird's eye view of this is is that it still would be yeah, basically this legendary slash insane game that came out back in the day that a lot of people tried to copy and a lot of people tried to, like, embrace the vibe of. Like, I, I think of it similarly. I mean, maybe technologically it didn't have the same impact, but, like, sort of like if doom didn't have if like doom 2 was the end of the doom series like someone trying to make an argument that that wouldn't have still been influential is like psychotic to me you know like this sold millions of copies worldwide this was like a huge cultural cultural event and changed games forever i feel like that stuff would have held true even though you know maybe it wouldn't Maybe it wouldn't be considered like one of the best all times and instead it would be one of the most important all time. Maybe that's like the big distinction. I feel like the other games being supposedly better, I I wouldn't know, has like made people consider this game also better just because the whole series is better. But the importance, I think, would have still lasted. Would you play all lowercase? Jacob asked us if this came out today, would you play the second one? 
And for me, I would probably wait until Danny or you played it to let me know if I should play it. But I would be very interested. I'd be like, oh, do they fix a lot of the things that we criticized here? Um, obviously, like the graphics and like some of the mechanic stuff, it's I feel like it's not quite fair to say if it came out today. But I would be very interested in like what they were going to do in the second one. Um, and I don't know how you feel, Alon, because I know like basically at the while we were playing this. I mean, there, there are two kinds of gamers, right? There are not two kinds. I think there's a big split in the gaming community where people who are like, I really don't want to play games that are like movies. I really don't want to watch stuff. Yeah. Um, hated like, it. Hated all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like Madeline, every t- time she gets into a game, she plays games all the time. She, if there's a cutscene, she immediately skips it. Doesn't matter. Um, and I'll be like, please don't skip, skip the cutscenes in this game. Like it's important to watch them. She's like, no, I don't have time for it. Yeah. And like, you know, it's, I, I, I totally get it. I mean, I'm not that kind of gamer, but, um, I think we're going to see that with the last of us, like how we all, like how you feel about it a lot in comparison to this sort of like cinematic game. Yeah. Um, but I don't know, are you looking forward to, or interested in metal gear two outside of a podcast context? Are you? No, I'm mostly interested in the way that you just said, actually, I'm interested in like, how I feel about it with my new context about the Metal Gear series and with cinematic games in general. I mean, I was hanging out with Doug the other night when I was beating this game, Metal Gear Solid 1, and Doug even mentioned he watched you play a little bit on Discord. You were streaming in our Discord, Teddy, and he was like, yeah, it was like 80% cutscenes and 20% gameplay when I watched Teddy. And I was like, that is a fucking nightmare, you know? And... I, I'm really not exaggerating here, but I stay up absurdly late every night. I go to sleep after everyone you know every night. I was nodding off <laughs> like I've never done before during these cutscenes. They're fucking awful. They're so bad. They're, the only way to enjoy them is if it's like funny because like they're just so bad. And I looked it up after one of my notes is like, I wonder how long. this game is if it's just cutscenes because like I was hating it so much and it's four fucking hours long if you look up the like just I think the video is called like epic Metal Gear Solid moments in story and it's just the cutscenes when like the controller is not in your fucking hand and for me that's a very new and bad experience so to answer Jacob's question I wouldn't have even played one (laughs) <laughs> if it came out now. So I wouldn't have even known that a second one was coming out because I would have been like, this is a piece of gabagool, you know? Um, it's so funny. Yeah. Like, I loved Metal Gear Solid 4. And, like, I will still watch cutscenes from it that I loved. <laughs> and that game, that game is almost like 10 hours. Them? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amazing. That's like almost 10, it's almost 10 hours of cutscenes in that unbelievable. game. Unbelievable. And, yeah, it's just so funny. I totally get why people don't like games like that. I, I love it all. I like love sitting back and watching all the. I mean, it sucks because like you can't get through as much of the game as you might want if you have a limited amount of time one day. But yeah, I just, uh, I have no idea if I would have played the second one. For the record, uh, it's like literally impossible for me to figure it out. Um, I'll say no because the story's not really a cliffhanger, um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, just yeah, think if, I, if I, like yeah. it came out and it got like what happens normally is that there's like 
every review is like glowing you'd be like okay yeah i guess i'll, I'll yeah at least try it right yeah it's on sale yeah, if everything else was uh, the same if like yeah. the reaction to it was the same then yeah i, I would have played it i think it's just yeah the we didn't really talk about the movie in terms of like watching the cutscenes and that experience be, i didn't want to bring up past traumas of mine of what playing through this fucking game but yeah i i don't know i don't have anything like fully thought out in that regard but I just am in a very different headspace when I'm sitting down and like, I'm going to watch a movie. I'm in a very different headspace than when I'm sitting down to play a game. And like I said earlier that a lot of that, I think is just like baggage that I've accrued from 30 plus years of playing video games. When I have a controller in my hand, I'm ready to fucking play. I'm an adrenaline junkie in every sense of the word i'm an adrenaline junkie you know i want to kill i want to run i want to jump i want to beat the thing i want to do it faster better i want to compete so it's a hard adjustment for me but um yeah i fucking i being acted at by seven polygon pieces of like i don't even know like i just they're gonna love four I, the reason polygons. i said seven polygon is because i was looking up robert yang stuff aforementioned robert yang he's getting got mentioned on like every episode but he had this incredible tweet that was the seven polygon penis and hitman 2 made me gay which is just <laughs> the greatest all time it's a sniper rifle shot and it's this guy peeing like you're sniping a guy who's peeing and that's what he's talking about um and robert yang is gay for the record yeah for the record um, but yeah, it's just, I, I can't take it seriously. I can't, it's not even just the fact that like, I don't think the writing is particularly good. It's just like, I can't like look, I'm not engaged at all. Like at no point am I engaged. Whereas, you know, obviously there are some movies that I love and I, I'm very engaged. It's just like when I'm in a game, I, it just blows me away, but we'll see. We'll see last of us and, and metal gear solid too. If it changes. Yeah. Chuck beat. He posted a screenshot of his playtime. He beat the game in two and a half hours. It's insane. That's my kind of guy right there. Yeah, Little yeah, did I know insane. I had so much in common with Chuck. But it, <laughs> it's like, it's also context, right? Like we've talked about throughout the pod of like, when we, were, when we did the favorite lines thing, like I was hysterically laughing at your guys' favorite lines. But when I played it, I didn't even smirk at any of those lines. Which makes me think like I was in the wrong headspace. I was looking at it wrong. You know, I was I was thinking, oh my God, this is like so fucking boring, which I still think it was, but where I maybe should have been and maybe if I played it again, where my head would have been is like, this is so fucking funny. Like, listen to Liquid, like listen to Snake. Everything he's saying is stupid and funny. <laughs> um, and maybe I'd, I would have enjoyed it more if I came from that angle. Yeah, I think, the one thing that um, there are definitely it's not like in general, if the game has a lot of cutscenes, I'm going to like it like that. I would yeah, yeah. say that. But I think there's enough interactivity with the like with codec and with the characters in the game um, that I that that it work that like this series and the series works for me. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe not as a general rule. I would. Although I don't know. I like cutscenes a lot. <laughs> it's okay to like cutscenes. Yeah. I had nothing against you. That's it, man. That's it. That's a wrap. Um, yeah, That's we're gonna play last. Of, solid. We're gonna play Last of Us next. Short game. Short um, game. Hopefully, it'll be a quick turnaround.
yeah we'll see we've got and some then, more con we've got some more content coming your way don't worry 